0: Let's be very clear, Deadpool financed, provided the financing for his empire right now. He even said it, he was at the Dentsu, no, at the Cannes line at the He said, we use some of that Deadpool money to buy Aviation Gin, their minority stake. So he refers to it as that Deadpool money.
1: Alright, welcome to another episode of No Investment Advice. We've got the two NIA boys here today. Trunk fan, me, master, flex himself, Bilal Zadie. I gotta
0: fo- give the energy for Jack, right? There, there we go,
1: there we go. little shimmy. But yeah, unfortunately, Jack can't join us today. He's in, a, I don't know if we're allowed to say what he's doing. I'm, I'm sure people, Jack, it's not like a big secret. that's busy, people.
0: If you, Jack's busy. You done seen Jack? Well, what we're sad about is we're missing out on Jack's story. His visualized value Twitter account got hacked. It was pumping fake uh uh nft things I know, man, Jack's crazy. on top of it fast though he was on top of it we everybody was treating the community was trying to get it uh fixed asap um blah from what we understand it's all fixed now right i
1: think it, yeah he said it seems to be fixed but yeah it was probably a terrible couple of days for him but anyway yeah he, he unfortunately can't join today but we'll be uh filling in for him us too so we got a lot to talk about today there's a lot that happened since the last time we recorded. So in full transparency, we mentioned this, but last episode, which thanks to all the feedback, people seem to enjoy the more evergreen philosophical chat. Uh, but we did record that uh, the week before because yeah. Trump was going to be out last week. Um, and then we obviously didn't cover all the Silicon Valley bank stuff. And it's kind of past now. So we will touch on it a little bit today. But really, kind of the biggest story has been Balaji's $1 million Bitcoin bet and the kind of the Potential collapse of the global banking system uh, in a worst-case scenario. Hyperinflation. We're going to get into that today. Um, yeah, so that that's kind of the the big story this week. And we're also going to be talking about Ryan Reynolds. Some people are calling him the new Richard Branson. I mean, this no, guy. No, I is- saw
0: Dory. You know, uh, the other Twitter. I mean, one of uh, is that's one of my favorite Twitter follows. Uh, he wrote, Ryan Reynolds is the white Jay Z. <laughs> <laughs> no, way. That, is yeah. so dude, that is so good. That is so good. He's he's funny well, He man. Sold a like gin
1: brand and now yeah. Mint mobile, right? So uh, yeah. So Mint we'll mobile. talk
0: about. you thinking he's such a boss. He sold a well, a mobile virtual network operator, an MVNO, for 1.35 bill. I mean, that's Mad. not the full story. Yeah, uh, we're gonna we're gonna break down for the listeners how much Trunk Fan thinks he made from that deal. All but, right. Uh, cool. Other yeah. than that, uh, so the Bellagio, uh, hyperinflation. Uh, Brian Reynolds, and we the other stuff we don't have to do. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about?
1: We'll start with those two, but uh, yeah, we'll see if we get time, we can cover some other. we bonus can just do some like fun life
0: stuff we've been thinking about it. Listen, like uh, but you brought it up about yeah. like, the single episode, the philosophical ones. Well, I re listened last week, I was, I was laughing so hard when Jack, uh, we know, we know one of them is rambling, it might have been me or Jack, and we're just like, oh man, like this is what happens when you just let couple dudes just talk on a podcast yeah dude. it was
1: good yeah 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 we're just talking about life yeah we got some yeah. good little clips from that one as well we got uh the spotlight
0: effect I no dude the one, you, one I shit myself with yours when when oh, you're when you're yeah. going on about trees like <laughs> I have, the listeners I don't know if you remember this part but uh we clipped oh, it oh my god so it's so good it's on YouTube short. so shout out to Raphael uh, yeah, uh our video new editor, editor podcast killing editor, it. editor uh, killing it for us and uh, uh Bilal was just talking about trees and then at one part, he literally just went, "Man, that tree that looks fucking fire, dude!" <laughs> yeah, it was the most meme worthy. I, I <laughs> yeah. was part of me knows
1: it was a ridiculous thing to say, but part of me was <laughs> like, "It's a perfect thing for the internet where some people." But it's also like,
0: honest, man. It's, it's also honest and
1: true. It's a it's a true point, but it's also one of those things where you hear it out of context, you are like, "What is this guy on about? Is this guy high right now?" So I was I was hoping for some um crazy comments on that one, but yeah, we we it actually it seems to be doing all right on we put on tiktok and uh shorts and stuff it looks like it's doing all right so um anyway trung before we get to that you've been on some fire with these uh memes man let's let's pull one up here this is definitely meme in a week let me just share my screen a few people been stealing this one (laughs) but
0: uh, (laughs) no when we talk about the dopamine drip this is what oh we talked about, people look at uh, it. Almost
1: twenty million views, nineteen million views. So Blah why do you explain
0: what you see here to the listeners? Yeah, so
1: for people listening, which is probably most people, so um this is Trung's tweet from a few days it's on ago. Saturday. For Saturday, an outrageous LinkedIn work history. And if you go all the way back, it's a Theranos research assistant, then sales business development at WeWork, then fun employee took a year off because look at my prior employers, of course. And then account manager FTX and account manager SVB Silicon Valley Bank. So, they can value banks. so <laughs> let's let's break this one down because this one obviously like this is a meme template we've seen before. Yeah, uh, I've seen you do it before. I don't know if if uh, I'm assuming you didn't like come up with that meme template. But yeah,
0: of course, it's a it's yeah. a fake LinkedIn profile. Like it's, it's a fake like, LinkedIn profile. This is a yeah. thing, right? It's a it's a total thing. But I'll tell you a couple reasons why this went absolutely bananas. Yeah. So I I know our listeners appreciate the inside baseball. Um, so that had 160,000 likes and 20 million views that's insane and, uh, man and Damn. and I, I think 80% of people didn't realize that it was a joke so actually I, I made one mistake uh, with the photoshop <laughs> yeah. I, well so it wasn't photoshop the listeners are gonna laugh I redid my linkedin profile so I could look like no that no way and it's that's really, hilarious and it's really annoying because so, now I have to like put all my old stuff back. so people are on there probably getting notifications
1: like trunk fan has changed yes. Started a new job and then they get the push notification. Yeah,
0: That's Trump fan started an SVP. Trump fan started an FTX. <laughs> so, but then if you look at the photo, uh, you can see the editor pencil where you the icon. So some people like the really smart ones, like Ramp, hit me up. Ramp's like, dude, this was uh, this is fake, right? Because he knew, right? Like the, oh, the, yeah, the OG yeah. meme guys know. Uh, but it looked like because it was real enough, and sometimes. I mean, the gut reaction is like this has got to be fake, right? Like you're feeling it, but some things are so absurd, and you're like, okay, you know, we live in 2023, and like the world is so insane. There's like, even my mind, I literally could literally, could, literally yeah.
1: could be real. Yeah, that's yeah. the great. That's what yeah. makes and it, it
0: was, funny. I I thought. Uh, let me ask you this: um, as with these, when you're making these fake profiles and you kind of get these really, uh, uh, really into it, like I thought the account manager, account manager was like for me that was just like i read that i'm like this because you know account manager is like the most generic yeah, job yeah, ever right
1: the, yeah yeah i've been an account manager it's 100 like <laughs> me it's like basically 90 of jobs on the business side of google some form of account manager they just give you a better title <laughs> like relationship manager agency blah 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 manager and it's like you're managing external relationships that's basically what it basically means for yeah Incredible. That is a uh, top notch, but hold I will no, also say, is that, on, on. is
0: that what is that what account manager? you, I've never been an account manager. Oh yeah. What normally, is the
1: responsibility of an account manager? Oh yeah. Normally an account, it depends on the business, the style of business, but normally it is like someone who's managing a book of business. Yeah. That is normally like existing companies that work with a company already. So it's normally a sales role and it can be a super junior role. It can also be kind of a senior role in different parts. The other thing is, regionally, it's different as well. So, like, there's, yeah. So, the, like, the for example, account executive in the U.S. was more senior than in the U.K., account executive was, like, the first job on that oh, oh, thing, oh, so account
0: executive. Yeah, is in even... like
1: an agency or like oh a sales job in like a network or something like that. Google, we had something similar as well. You know what's funny?
0: Account executive sounds so official. It's like yeah, yo, yeah. I'm an account exec. I'm like <laughs> yeah, bro, yeah. Wow, what are you? What are you executing? on okay, <laughs> so,
1: executive for what? Yeah.
0: So if you so. Would they have account managers at SVB and FTX? Probably, I imagine yeah, they yeah, would, probably, right? yeah. Because okay.
1: FTX, well, I don't know if they had anything. To be honest, they didn't even have an accountant, bro. So, I mean, SVB, they probably would be, yeah, managing a book yeah. of their, you know, clients or whatever. So that's pretty much that's perfect, okay, but hold bro. On. That's perfect. Can
0: we follow up with the second? So, I think the
1: research assistant to sales biz that there is a bit of a progression here, and yeah. then looked like they were stagnant. They didn't really no, progress but, yeah, in their careers. That's
0: why you pull up, pull up my second. So. Let me explain the psychology Yeah. Here. So I, I I made a mistake. I tweeted this out when I had guests. I had, this is how sick I am. My wife is like, please, Trunk, can you just put your phone away for four hours? We have uh, family friends and their kid, because uh, we're really close to this family that has a kid the same age as my kid. And they're like, they came over, and my and, wife's no, just, it's on just on like, Trunk, the whole time. just put your phone away, man. I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll put my phone away. But I sent this tweet, Thirty minutes before they came. Oh and my God! You what know, mistake. within the first five minutes, if it goes nuclear, I'd like a thousand likes in five minutes. I'm like, this is gonna be a banger. Oh yeah! And like, I, and so like,
1: <laughs> your face right now is yeah. so excited.
0: So it's I a put, banger. I know. So I put my phone away, but I left it upstairs. And I, we were uh, hosting them downstairs, and I was there, but I wasn't there. You know I mean, I was I, present. I feel you. But I wasn't present. yeah. And that was pretty bad for the first hour-ish. I felt bad. uh, But I also got hammered. So I totally forgot about the vote. That's what you're uh, doing. So here's uh, the second one. Okay, can you read through the... uh...
1: All right, so it's the same person. And now they've got a new job. Senior account manager at Credit Suisse. March 2023 to present one month. Back my feet at one of the world's largest and most stable banks. Just moved to Zurich and start on 3-20-2023. When I saw this, I also... Cause I was like reading it early in the morning or something. Yeah. well No, no. I, I can't remember. It was I was like in bed. I remember reading this, and I was like, "Wait a minute. Oh, it's Europe. Did he do the date the wrong way around?" And that was like, "No, no, no. Oh, he actually okay, did yeah. it the right way around because it's U.S. to Europe." But that was me overthinking that one. But so, yeah, this one caught on fire. There was too. so
0: much juice on the first, the previous tweet. I'm like, I got to keep this party going. Oh yeah. So the next day, Credit Suisse obviously is in a forced sale with UBS, which we're going to talk about. Uh, But anyways, uh, I added the credit Suisse job and then again, like 80% of people were like, this can't be real. And then, now I'll I'll just mess up. Following that tweet, there was a DM exchange I had with somebody, like somebody quote unquote DM me and said, hey man, like, uh, can you stop posting my profile? Yeah, that, couple people, that's a joke. Clearly that's a joke. Uh, Yeah, read that. but want you read yeah, that, Yeah, as so a- this
1: is a DM. Hey, Trang, you think it's funny, but can you stop posting my work history on the internet for internet clout? And then your response, wait, what? It's anonymous. It's definitely a troll. And then they're like, no, it's not. Check your LinkedIn. I just sent these numbers, 7645. Holy! <laughs> <laughs> right, we don't have to read the whole thing, but yeah. people get the idea. It's yeah. Just- but yeah, I mean, bro, this was on fire. I, w- I, w- I wanted to ask you, we're not going to name names here, but this gets stolen, obviously, right? Even on TikTok. I saw there's like an AI generated. Do oh, you it's see Reddit. This?
0: It, it hit every oh. single social, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you it said it was 18, 19 social. million views plus another two for this second one plus another couple from some other big accounts. Um, so this has probably been seen like 40, 50 million. There's probably 40, 50 million views on this if you take I all would, the different platforms.
0: I think this, it, I mean, the last thing I'll say about this is the ones that do really well, and this is going to be, it just hits everything, right? Everyone has a LinkedIn profile. Everybody understands that early career grind, right? Yeah, yeah. It just hits you. It's so visceral. And then everybody hates LinkedIn. And then everybody hates. Everybody loves to dunk on corporations that go down. And listen, I'm not trying to dunk like negatively, but these corporations did some shitty stuff. Yeah, yeah. Not all of them was criminal fraud, but like. they're responsible for a lot of negative things. Uh, And not everybody there is responsible, which is why I think people- No, and
1: I I don't think anyone even seeing it as like you're making that much fun of the people. It's just kind of a funny situation. or It's not a funny situation, but the way you've put a picture on some- a funny angle to a bad situation essentially. So that's a bad way. Yeah, of putting just it. like a
0: person that's like a total like a force that's the, the, the that was my favorite, like the force comp the force gumple corporate scams. It's just yeah, somebody that a was funny host like this individual, like you can just think in your head it's like, wow, I feel this individual has been through a lot of corporate BS. Incredible.
1: Yeah, I mean that's a great way of putting it for the amount of lives that guy lived. And uh all right, so well anyway, let's get on to the, the juicy stuff. Um Bro, what has been going on with this biology situation? We obviously always talk yeah. about biology on the show. Legend in our world, in the tech world. He's he's definitely, well, let's first of all paint a picture for people who don't know who he is, which is probably a small percentage of people listening to this. But who is biology and why is he someone that previously we would listen to? And why is this bet where he said he thinks that in 90 days, Bitcoin would be a million dollars it's oh, currently yeah. 25k or 26k
0: well I think you should tell more about Balaji's background because I know that you've actually spoken to him like yeah yeah, um, yeah, yeah. alright so I the,
1: yeah I, I don't know his full you know his full work history but he's he's set up many companies before you know, former I think he had CTO like,
0: of Coinbase
1: For yeah because he sold a company to Coinbase and I think he was yeah. there for a little while I actually had spoke that's when I first spoke to him I think it was at like earn.com or something he had Yeah. but before that he had some sort of like uh, what was it bio tech or something, some sort of company, nine-figure exit, I think. So super accomplished guy, PhD, I think.
0: Also venture capitalist at Andreessen Horowitz. Venture capitalist
1: at Andreessen Horowitz. So he's, as we referenced on the show, is what he calls post-economic, which is the most baller way of saying, I'm rich, bitch. I don't need to uh, keep working or I'm not motivated by money is essentially, which is actually quite key for this story because we're going to get onto his motivation because some people have been trying to call him out saying he's trying to make money from it which I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. We'll, I'll explain why later. Um, so he's a very, very smart dude. And then he's also been really well known in, I guess, January 2020, before the world blew up. He was one of the early people that publicly went on Twitter and said, basically, word for word, what had, had, it ends up happening, lab leak, which initially, initially was like laughter. And eventually we've all come around to seeing that that was probably the case. He talked about people are going to have to wear masks. Basically, everyone, a lot of people laughed at him and said, "You're out of your mind. This is never happening. There's no global pandemic." And that's ended up what ha- uh, that's what ended up happening. So he's done this a few different times, um, and he essentially goes on online recently, and he basically says, "Oh, do, do you want to take over from here?" What he basically yeah, said from here. There
0: was an uh, anonymous uh, Twitter. Uh, I think it's an anonymous Twitter Twitter account. If I'm wrong about that, apologies. And the, the the Twitter account uh, basically says something to the uh, I, I hold on a second here, yeah, a pseudonymous Twitter account, and this is the bet they made. They had an interaction on Twitter, and the bet is around this: is if uh, if if in ninety days Bitcoin is worth a million dollars, uh, then Balaji will get the money from this bet, and if Bitcoin is worth less than a million dollars, then the pseudonymous. This other pseudonymous Twitter account, a FinTwit, a pretty well-known FinTwit Twitter account, will get the money. So the the break-even point, is the, the the million dollars, is where the bet's happening. And the reason why this bet is happening is because Bellagio is talking about the threat of hyperinflation related to the recent uh, Fed rescue the FDIC rescue, the U.S. Treasury rescue of Silicon Valley Bank. Yeah. And it's not specific to that bank because it actually is a larger issue at play here. And the issue he's bringing up is that over the past two to three years, uh, the the number of treasuries and mortgage-backed securities that uh, have been purchased in the U- uh, U.S. treasuries that have been purchased, uh, those have lost a significant amount of value because they were purchased in a low-interest rate environment before the recent... Rate hike cycle, which began last year. So Bellaghi's framing is basically the U.S. government responded to COVID uh, by pumping a, a ton of money into the economy, and then they, uh, you know, they kept issuing debt, and they knew that people. Well, I guess this framing is that they knew that people would buy this debt and corporations would buy this debt. But then, if you raise rates aggressively, you're basically selling an asset that is guaranteed to be uh uh financially or valuation wise impaired until the end of the uh, the life of that because a, a debt instrument can lose value during its life but by the end it's supposed to be repaid right so like,
1: and so if strong just to ahead. clarify so you're saying so just so, so i understand this correctly we, you know we, we know at the beginning of the pandemic we obviously printed a bunch of money there's more liquidity there's basically zero percent interest rates that we've talked about on the show a million times yeah. And as we then ended up hitting really high inflation, what happened there is in that time when there was all this uh, liquidity, a lot of these banks, including Silicon Valley Bank, they were holding tons of money, right? Because there was more money in the system. People get their, you know, uh, maybe not for Silicon Valley Bank, but for a lot of normal banks, their stimulus checks goes in the bank. There's a higher uh, amount of money that goes into those, uh, in those deposits. And so now you've got all this money and banks make money by, essentially lending it out or you know investing that money and they b- buy these long term you know uh, treasury bonds or whatever and when interest rates go higher the value of those bonds now start to go down right you're 100%
0: correct you nailed it and the, 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 but the key thing to to note here is that those value, the value of those bonds that are held on the books go down as the it's called duration risk right yeah. so the longer the bond is let's call let's just do a, a dummy example yeah. If you are a Silicon Valley bank or you are a Bilal bank and you bought a 10-year treasury or 10-year mortgage-backed security that was yielding, whatever, 1% in 2021, early 2021, okay, well, you presumably will get all your money back by the end of that 10 years plus the interest, right? However, any time between year zero and year 10, if the interest rate environment changes, the value of that bond will go down. Uh, and yeah. it's for a very simple reason, because if you tried to sell a one percent yielding bond on the open market in yeah. two thousand and twenty-three, which is now, but the but the 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 standard interest rates are forty-five percent, no one's going to buy that for you unless you give a big discount on the bond, yeah. right? So you be could just go
1: instead of uh, boy for a hundred dollars, I might have to sell it for eighty now. Yeah, or because I could that. just
0: go right now and get it from the government yeah. at five percent, right? Exactly. It, exactly. So basically, there's that level of uh, uh of valuation impairment uh, of what they call unrealized losses. And Bilal keeps on putting out this one chart, which comes from the Fed. And it was from earlier this year, and it says that there's over $600 billion in unrealized bond portfolio losses. Crazy. And position is basically the US government created this problem, and then they sold to the market, something they knew would be impaired of uh, valuation wise, at least during, before the end of the maturity of the the, the the debt asset, because they know they're gonna raise rates, right? So he's basically saying, like, it'd be like if, if I in a way it's almost like a Ponzi, not necessarily a Ponzi but like, yeah. you're dumping something on the market, right? You're dumping something that you know the valuation will take an unrealized loss until the end of that term because you know you're gonna raise rates. And uh, again, we don't actually know, uh, cause uh, we've joked about it here, right? Cause like the Fed's like, hey, you know, inflation's, inflation's transitory. Like they clearly, but they made a mistake. Whether or not it was intentional or they made that mistake uh, 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 unwittingly, it, the whole point is that they sold trillions of dollars, the US government did, and then related entities sold because like mortgage backed securities are backed by the U.S. government, right? These agency uh, backed mortgage backed securities. Uh, what that means essentially is like the, they'll be backstopped by the you know Fannie and Freddie, which are the big uh, uh, housing related agencies in the United States. So the TLDR is Balaji believed that the U.S. government was selling an asset that most likely they knew would be worth a lot less. Uh, before the end of the maturity term and he's basically saying what that's actually created is it's a it's essentially pumping money into the system yeah uh, and he his threat well he made this bet around the idea of hyperinflation right that's why yeah. he said bitcoin a million got it and so we'll
1: come on to that in a second now so just to finish off because again we're not going for the whole silicon valley bank thing but yeah. the key point here is what ended up actually happening is you know uh, people started wanting their money back out of the bank. Right? So there's in a, in a world today versus a hundred years ago, you needed to go to the bank, line up, like ask for your money, get it in cash. Uh, and, and not even a hundred years ago, honestly, like 25 years ago, if you go to like Argentina, this is what would have happened. And then what happened was essentially what is called a bank run. So many people wanted their deposits back that they don't have that money anymore we've probably heard this story on this podcast before because we've covered it in the crypto world this has happened a few times there are obviously differences but um it's a similar problem and well
0: the problem becomes it becomes a problem again we're not going to walk through scb because i know uh, at this point it's been widely covered but the point is when you have these long-term Uh, fixed rate bonds, which is what like SVB bought these bonds. So they got a 10 year bond instead of calling it a three to six or one or two year, like a a shorter duration bond because they wanted a little bit of extra yield, right? And mind you, this extra yield was in the hundreds of millions of dollars, but that's just, essentially that's free money. As long as it's a low interest rate environment, it is a smart move. And
1: everyone isn't taking their money out. They can just keep it running. Exactly. And it's not like, ftx or one of these other crazy crypto things where they were investing in crazy you know high-risk stuff this is like on paper one of the it's least supposed risky to be things
0: the least risky things uh the 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 misjudgment they made and, and this and this is true misjudgment though is in 2018 uh, the SDB basically lobbied the US government to allow themselves to not be classified as a systemically important financial institution. What that basically means is that they have less restrictions on the type of assets they can purchase, right? So like, they're not blameless here, right? They can be more
1: degen as we would call it. Yeah, exactly.
0: The equivalent of degen for original bank portfolio manager, right? Which is
1: getting (laughs) 1.5% 10 year bonds, yeah.
0: So that's basically what happened. And uh, SDB didn't have a risk uh, a chief risk officer for all of 2022. So this is covered by a really a well known finance a subsite called uh, a nongap. Nongap looked into the records of SDB and basically found they didn't have a risk manager. The previous uh, chief risk officer like left. I think she knew what was happening. She like looked at as like oh, this bond portfolio is totally fine until they hype interest rates, and then our bonds are going to be worth nothing. And we're gonna be technically insolvent, uh. But you know, the whole idea is in in, in most traditional worlds, in in our, in our low interest rate environments, since a financial crisis, you just kind of look at your like, you know, your your unrealized losses. And you're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, We'll just we're just gonna muddle along until uh, it's held to maturity, and then we'll just get all our money back, right? Yeah, exactly. But then, but like you mentioned, you don't anticipate like. uh, how quickly SV, svb is very specific too because it, it caters to tech and startups which are all on twitter and yeah like, they yeah, all yes. talk to each other so like it's a coordinated it's not coordinated but it's like how you quickly tell your friend and your go, friend yeah. goes
1: and tells the group chat and then people are taking out 40 billion was it 42 $40 billion, billion in one dollars. day well it's in like sam altman
0: yeah. uh sam altman tweeted uh, if it was called the santa clara farmers like bank like there wouldn't have been that's safe. Fair enough. I'm not saying farmers don't use Twitter and Slack. I'm just saying <laughs> they don't use it as much as VCs yeah, yeah, and startups. Yeah, this was uh, fast
1: moving. It was, yeah. there was a, yeah, there's a digital nature to this as well. But I guess to, to move on from SVB uh, here, yeah. let's bring it back to what's actually happening and why it's not just about one bank failing, right? This is about his his theory, biology's theory, is this is all a widespread the banks issue. In are
0: holding these bonds, They're right? All all like, like, yeah. Saying- so it's,
1: yeah, there's there's hundreds of these banks, and then if you now zoom out to the world, he he's saying that this is now going to be a global problem because then now we're seeing with Credit Suisse, right? right. So and they all,
0: everyone owns these ad, like the U.S. Treasury is owned by every single major financial institution. It's the world, yeah, it's the world yeah.
1: reserve currency, and so his bet is saying we're now moving out of a system where the U.S. dollar is the world's reserve currency. And there needs to be a a thing that we transition to. No, he thinks this
0: will be a trigger. Yeah, he thinks that what's happening now will be a trigger to destroy the US dollar. US dollar. Hence, the US dollar gets repriced in terms of Bitcoin, right, which is what they always keep saying. It's like one Bitcoin is always worth one Bitcoin, right? That's the idea. And and then
1: just to clarify, he also says uh, his bet is that it will transition to Bitcoin. But the the fear he has is it would uh, actually transition to the Chinese currency. Right, and he right, thinks right. that would be worse for the world which is a whole different discussion um so that's kind of where we leave off with biology's you know actual let
0: me enter logic. actually arthur hayes uh, yeah this minute, is great yeah so did you did you read the arthur hayes article i didn't article? read the full thing but let, let, okay. let you can uh, summarize i would it, yeah. highly recommend listeners to read arthur hayes's piece because uh, he's by speaks, the way,
1: incredible right he the way he writes is, is phenomenal writer. yeah i love he, it uh, he's Crypto an incredible hayes. writer
0: yeah controversial figure
1: by the way we've referenced him on the podcast yeah pod he, before, he,
0: uh, he had to cut a deal with the u.s government he ran an offshore exchange and uh, uh they were busted for something i i don't know the details of it but i think he settled and, uh, and he's he, he's one of the main thought leaders in the crypto space yeah and he actually touches on a very specific part of the silicon valley bank uh, bailout, and I think this is extremely important because Balaji has talked less about this, but it, it's also very related to why the U.S. dollar will potentially devalue, right? Or this risk of quote unquote hyperinflation. I'll just say off the bat, I think the threat of hyperinflation. Uh, I yeah. get what he's saying. I, I think is quite low with yeah, the U.S. Same. dollar, not investment advice. Yeah, uh, but uh, <laughs> what? Uh, uh, so here's what basically happened with the SVB backstop. And again, this isn't specifically SVB. This is this is a global financial situation here. So the Fed created something called the Bank Term Funding Program. So uh, blah. I'm gonna ask you, remember what we said, there's $620 billion in unrealized losses, right? Because these bonds, again, the dummy bond that we had was Blau Bank had the $1 uh, million bond that was due in 10 years, right? Today, if you bought that in 2021, let's call it, it's a 40% haircut. So you have a s you're down 40% on that bond, right? This is what the US government did. This bank term funding program is if you had certain government or agency backed mortgage backed securities or agency mortgage backed securities before the bailout they did for not bailout, but the rescue they did for SVB, you can post that bond and get the equivalent in dollar terms. Yeah. So even though your bond technically on the market is worth $600,000 today because we said it is a 40% haircut on the million, you can give it to the Fed and what would they give you if you had a million dollar bond?
1: Yeah, the full the, amount.
0: Yeah, they'll give you a million dollars. Yeah. Right? So where's all this money coming from? So they're basically are printing, they're, they're doing the equivalent of uh, uh, printing, but in a roundabout way.
1: Yeah, uh, in a different way, yeah. It,
0: yeah. Instead of... So typically it's a way that
1: either way it's you're putting money into the market. Yeah, exactly. exactly.
0: Dude. So like both financial crisis, the way they did this was bonds would get issued and then, and then the banks would buy them or sorry, the government would buy them. Right. And then that, when you're buying, when the government's buying bonds from the banks, you're putting money directly into the banks. This is another way of putting, like you said, money directly into the banks, but it's a little bit roundabout and Arthur Hayes, says is actually a very elegant solution because it, it it changes the mechanism. And they say that this bank term funding program is only supposed to be for a year. And yeah, but he makes the point of this, though. It, it's set to expire in a year, but Sounds he just like says-
1: PPE to me, bro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, no, he goes,
0: has there ever been like a situation where they've been given power and they, 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 they willingly give it up, right? Yeah. Because what they've effectively done uh, according to Arthur Hayes' article, he, he ran the numbers he says that by making this offer and, and granted not every not every bank has done it not every bank has to do it right like JP Morgan doesn't have to go borrow against this entire loan portfolio because it it, it has a very strong balance sheet uh well we think and uh and uh it, it probably wouldn't have to go uh, a company like if, if this existed for Silicon Valley Bank this could have tided them over because nobody would have been worried about their their shitty bond portfolio, because the depositors, investors would have known they could have gone to the Fed, posted all the bonds and got the money and and paid out the deposit if they had to, right? But anyways, Arthur Hayes says that this essentially creates four trillion dollars of money. Like this is this is effectively if every bank wanted to post their bonds and get uh, as collateral and get the like money, as like cash it loan, in essentially, yeah, yeah, cash it in granted you have to quote unquote pay it back but eh, you do but you're creating cash and uh i think already 300 billion has been drawn I'm against sorry, you bank can say that,
1: how many trillion you say four four trillion and
0: so could we put
1: put context around that how much is that compared to I the how us much was...
0: money supply is 15 to 20 trillion it's so like, like 25... do you remember
1: how much was printed in let's say 2020 and 2021 roughly I, about six,
0: trillion, six trillion. okay so that gives yeah. us a the comparison yeah the equivalent of COVID. A so massive like,
1: amount, essentially. A
0: massive amount. Money printed and like goes that, burr you again, essentially. That same, well, that's why he's been joking. the entire, yeah. like If you go on Arthur Hayes' Twitter, he just says, money printed goes burr. And I'll tell you the interesting thing about this. and uh, He's saying that, well, and we talked about it, right? It's because oh, we know all these other governments of the central banks, other international banks, hold U.S. treasuries. They hold uh, U.S.-based mortgage-backed securities. This is the thing. The U.S. is exporting this policy yeah because right They've they have these swap interest line rate. too right yeah they They've have got... interest rates swap lines with other uh central banks so like this what is being proposed right now like the european central bank can do the same thing could because... you
1: explain what swap line is for people like the and how it relates to the credit swiss situation well, I'll just,
0: uh, I'll super simplified is different nationalities and, and countries have different currencies right so obviously uh this the credit swiss crisis in switzerland is uh uh well they have the swiss franc but also in Europe, you have the euro, right? So what, does, what the what interest rate swap plan basically allows you is to borrow other countries' currencies and, and, and be less worried about, oh, the, you know, the, the the foreign exchange risk and all the changes. But what it but actually I'm, does in this case... Especially a
1: backstop though, right? It's kind of the same they're doing for yeah, the US. Yeah, because what's
0: happening... Because the threat for all these countries is if they lose value against the US dollar, right? Because they have all you know that it. it's like all these countries have huge dollar denominated debt so if their currency goes to the shitter they're like oh it cost us twice as much in the u.s dollar to pay this than three months ago well the youth government's being saying just swap with us we'll do the swap line and like we will basically be able to tide you over until the currencies are probably uh within again or where they were pre-crisis in,
1: in principle they're essentially like uh, i don't know if this is a correct comparison but the equivalent of fdic the way we think of it as i can put money as a person in a bank and if something goes wrong with the bank i'm covered
0: yeah, the, uh, they, yeah the, they've the done the same for the us is giving banks you a correction. And now, yeah. yeah and they're you're basically, basically really doing... allowing them yeah no no you know this because there's so much because there's so much foreign exchange risk when you're dealing abroad with, uh, with international banks right it's, it's especially in times of crisis because money flees to primarily two places currency wise when there's a crisis japan and the United States, really the United States now. So if there's a crisis, everybody piles into the U.S. government and uh, and the U.S. dollar, because for all the jokes we have and even this balaji bit, today, the U.S. dollar, as we know, that's a fortress. That's where people go at hard times. And if people pile into the U.S. dollar, that means the, the U.S. dollar is way stronger versus all these other currencies. So this is what the interest rate swap line effectively it does is like, if there's a crisis, and these other currencies getting clapped, the US government's being like, listen, we're going to give you a way to like, you. not have to eat, yeah, 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 not have to eat, like getting your, your currency destroyed and trying to pay back all these uh, all these debt instruments. So
1: Trunk, I guess, so that's a really, really helpful context and summary, but let's move it on to what we kind of think about this because, I mean, first of all, the summary was we're essentially printing a bunch of money again, or we're creating liquidity, and yeah. we're backing you know the us banks and essentially you you know um global banks as well to not mess up the whole banking system to to add to give them confidence to say we're not going to let all of these crash but the 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 bet from biology regardless of the million dollar bet is really a meme it's more about the meme of what he's talking about right and it's about this idea he actually started this off by doing the bit signal i think it was called and he put put out this tweet which was saying I will be giving out a million dollars to the the 1,000 best tweets, memes, charts, whatever. That caught some fire, but it didn't get as much heat as the second one, which was the second round which this dude, like we said, said, I'll I'll bet you a million dollars that won't happen. And that is what's really blown up because it's a bit of a crazy idea, right? Because everyone can see that that's very, very unlikely to happen. And why would this person, if you don't know who biology is, you're thinking, why is this guy putting up a million dollars to do this? so um and i just also want to point out is for the person who is betting that it's not going to a million dollars it's essentially a free bet because if they buy two bitcoin they will either way make a million dollars so i wish i had seen it first but yeah um so that that that's going to bring us on to like his motivation for doing this in a second but curious to get your take on what are the good parts of his argument and what are the parts you don't fully agree with and maybe we can start from there and I can share my opinion too.
0: Right. So the part, the hyperinflation part is the first one that I would not agree with because you have to remember the basis for his bet, right? He's saying that this system that the Fed has gotten the banks into where they've sold them bonds pre-interest rate hikes and then now there's this $600 billion plus in unrealized losses, he's saying that this could lead to the collapse of banks. And then the collapse of the banking system would lead to loss of trust in the U.S. dollar, which is true. But I mean, Noah Smith, economist, great blogger, wrote a whole post about this bank. And he basically said, well, actually, traditionally, if you look at banking crises, they actually lead to deflation. And it's for a very simple reason. If all the banks crash, they're not lending credit to the economy anymore. So, What's where's the inflation gonna come from? Because the businesses are getting going out of business, uh there's new no new business formation. The the economy basically grinds to a halt if banks fail. But I think the when think this happened
1: before, to you know Great like Great Depression. What what year was that? Just so we know again. Well,
0: 1929, Tw- 1930 is like yeah, so okay. when when you had hundreds of bank failures, there was deflation. It was a deflationary environment. It's because there's no economic activity because everybody's yeah. clapped, right? Yeah, it
1: makes sense, yeah.
0: But to Balaji's point, I think the point Balaji's trying to make is like, okay, we'll think one level next. What's the next level? If the US dollar if there's if the US dollar and the bank situation is so bad that you're getting hundreds of collapses of banks, eventually that's gonna mean the US dollar is completely devalued, right? I think that's I mean, that's the next step he's trying to make. But the broader point he's trying to make is this. He's saying if you wanna exit this system, which agree with me on the hyperinflation, don't agree with me. But I'm telling you, there's 600 billion that the Fed says there are in these unrealized losses, and that the Fed caused this to happen, whether intentionally or they walked into it. You should not have faith in the system where it is the central bank. Arthur, Arthur Hayes brings this point up. Since the financial crisis, we are in a central bank-led world. the The, the economies are trying to be fixed by central bankers using interest rates. Prior to 2008 and really through the 20th century, you know who tried to fix the economy? It was the actual government. And they would do it through fiscal policy, right? It's like, hey, we're gonna spend money here, we're gonna spend money there. Th- this happened a lot during COVID where the US government, uh, you mentioned it with kind of the loan program and like trying to get money into people's pockets.
1: stimulus, yeah.
0: Yeah, so the uh, so we'll, we'll have to go deep into it, but it's called fiscal dominance versus monetary dominance. And so fiscal dominance is when the government is deciding how to deploy government uh, money spending, into yeah, the government? Right. Yeah. Whereas uh, uh, monetary is when the central bank is actually really interest controlling leverage, right? Yeah. yeah. The interest rates. It's like they they're typically against. I mean, central banks supposed to be independent, right? And like, fa- I'll give you a very famous analogy. In the 1970s, Richard Nixon was heading into an election, right? The 1972 election, and he wanted to make sure he leaned on to win. He leaned on the central banker. Uh, at the time, I believe it was Arthur Burns, and he's like, "Listen, cut. You no, know, this happened. To Donald Trump too, right? With Joe Powell, do you cut rates? Do you raise rates? Do you cause a recession into an election? And then this isn't directly related to monetary versus fiscal, but it's an idea of how they're supposed to be separate and they kind of battle out for influence, right? Uh, but back to back to Bellagio's point. Um, if all these banks fail, and then that's not good. It'll cause depression. Yeah, but what does will, that mean?
1: We got bigger problems if yeah. the, if. If it goes to that place, we've got a lot of bigger problems than that. But he's uh, just basically saying plan.
0: Bitcoin is a way to opt out of this madness. He's like, "This is madness." And let me do one name drop: Stanley Druckenmiller. <laughs> when I got there the chance go. to interview yep. this legendary macro investor. He said to me, this is what he he's said He's He's
1: essentially, for people who don't know who he is, he's like the LeBron James of investing, the, right? He had
0: 30 straight years of 30% returns or more. He famously, uh, with George Soros, broke the Bank of England. That was yeah. a famous trade in the early 90s. But he said this. He's like, I never understood the value proposition of Bitcoin. He always thought it was kind of scammy. But he's like, in 2020... In the response to the uh, COVID crisis, he's like, "I understood the value of Bitcoin, truly understood it." He's like, "It is a hedge against the Federal Reserve going crazy." That's what he yeah. said. It's a hedge against the Federal Reserve going crazy, uh, and, and just for explaining the reason that is, and for most listeners, they'll know this: is there's only supposed to be 21 million Bitcoin. Yeah, now. it's
1: a limited supply. It's still same way, the same idea of gold in the past. Where the, the money? Well, whereas money...
0: gold even now has like a two to three percent inflation rate in a year, yeah. where they keep digging it up out of the ground. And so, and the one thing I
1: will say to this, the, the kind of interesting idea that we've talked about here was the meme in the 20, 2020 and twenty twenty one. I guess where inflation first, it was about the Bitcoin community was like inflation is higher than they say it is, which to be fair, they were kind of right about, right? Yeah. And it went if, and then it became oh inflation is only transitory that ended up not necessarily being the case um now i think the big disconnect for me where i've probably changed my mind uh, on what had happened since was the meme or the idea of bitcoin being a hedge for inflation didn't necessarily end up being true so far anyway and we've had record inflation and the price of bitcoin did not uh, you know inflate in the way that you'd want uh, as a hedge now the the jump where i agree so i think first of all biology's thing first of all i think it's really cool that he's doing it first of all like i think it's smart what he's doing i do think a lot of people don't know him or haven't heard him enough might just think he's like a charlatan trying to make some money because he owns probably like 100 million plus in bitcoin himself uh that's right, like
0: that, that was the that was the counter raise right? like yeah he's bringing so much attention to this that even if the price of Bitcoin goes up by one percent, if he holds a yeah. hundred million dollars of the Bitcoin, probably yeah. holds more. He probably he's does. Already yeah,
1: gone. He's already broke. Even right. And and so my personal opinion on this is just without actually knowing him properly, right? Is I don't even think that's the case. I think he genuinely is one of these like ideological people that, you know, like engineers. If you ever like worked with engineers, like he's got that kind of technical scientific brain, which is there's almost a right and a wrong about this and we need to move on to something else. I think he truly believes that. I don't think he's just doing this for like clout or like money, especially, especially because I know he already has enough money. Like that's not the reason he'd be doing this. Um, Now, the part I do agree with him on is that he's bringing attention to something which seems to be a bigger problem than initially thought out to be. When we just see this one bank, especially because it's named Silicon Valley Bank, People already, you know, in the wider press and general society already see tech as a negative thing a lot of the time nowadays. And so it's an easy thing to say, oh, well, they must have done some, you know, DGen stuff, which partly they, they did do some, make some mistakes. But partly they <laughs> were also... I love
0: what you said, de-gen. De-gen.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But essentially, it's not just them. When it ends up being 100, 200, 300, 500 banks that are all in a similar position, which might be the case. And then it's, you know, the local bank, like you said, the farmer's bank or... The regional bank that has, you know, the second order effect here is a lot of those local banks are where you get commercial real estate loans is from what I've read as well. So that is another thing we can come to in a second. Um, Then you're going to say, oh, it's not about Silicon Valley Bank. It's not about tech community doing something crazy. It's actually a banking problem, which we're already kind of seeing. Yeah. So I think he's definitely got some valid points there. I think the part I just don't agree with is that the word hyperinflation, is a it's very loaded, strong right? word. It's loaded. it's loaded. You think of Argentina and Zimbabwe. Well, actually, and, I want to say yeah. at one
0: point, it's like, you, is your race? I, I just want to say this. Sorry to cut you off. Is like no, no, it's gone, not gone. just about Silicon Valley Bank, right? Look at all the other regional banks. All these other the means for First Republic. They they took down Signature Bank, which is. I mean, there's this yeah. all the part about these banks that you know worked with crypto that have been taken out. They, a lot of people think this is like a, a covert way to take out the crypto linked banks. I, I don't believe. Uh, subscribe to that I, I i get why some people believe that but there's clearly damage to a lot of non major banks right the non jp morgans of the world uh, uh non-cities and non-bambles but yeah
1: yeah yeah no that's a great point point. and then i guess the, the part i don't agree with i think his logic where he shares in the tweet thread or it's not even a thread it's the, the long tweet um I, he makes a compelling case like if you actually take away the million dollar amount and you just think about the idea of things change very quickly and they can, you know, in a digital world, things change quicker than you think. COVID was a good example of that. Like from one week, we don't believe this thing's a thing to two weeks later, we're in lockdown, you know, or, or like a month later, whatever it was. So that is that is the the kind of digital nature of it. We've seen even the meme stock stuff, like how, how that can work. Even the Silicon Valley Bank, how quickly people take up money. Now, the example... Where what he's talking about is obviously high stakes. This is governments, the world superpower, and and it is convincing. Like it needs to be a big country. Like he said, India. Like if India starts transitioning away from the U.S. dollar being their reserve currency, that that is a big enough catalyst for a lot of these things to keep uh, going. Now, so I think the example he gives is a plausible even if it's a 0.01 percent chance of it happening non-zero yeah (laughs) non-zero it's a it's a logical take i i think actually i think the word hyperinflation though is kind of what is throwing a lot of this off and even more importantly the 90 day period is even more like if you're a betting man you'd look at like oh that was already a long bet but now oh with the 90 day time constraint that's also going to mess it up quite a bit so i would 100 percent bet against it if i if i could uh make a million dollars from that but i actually think he brings a lot of valid um ideas to the table that that are now being talked about like we're talking about it right now so i think the value of him doing this is yeah, for people, people to won. talk about it he's I, already I won agree exactly
0: 100 uh, i cannot agree with you enough that i think it's for the meme I mean and he always talks about memes, right? It's like in it his book The Network State, he he dispensed. Yeah, he gets it. it but yeah. long he understands memes, that's why every time he tweets something, it's like it's a like catchy, it's like a poem, right? Oh he's my like,
1: favorite dude, I wrote this down here, was uh it's Uncle Sam Bankman Fried, not Uncle yeah. Sam. That was so good. <laughs> right.
0: He's trying to he's trying to attack he men, like or, I mean Jack's talked about it. Jack Butcher uh are uh, our uh, uh, a friendly co-host, who wasn't able to make it today, has worked <laughs> yeah. with Balaji or was working with Belagi for the graphics uh, yeah, on uh, our boy Eric Johnson's uh, book uh, about Balaji-isms. Um So he knows how to frame an idea. Last thing I'll say about this, and this just gives credence to your idea, that is, for the meme, it's quite simple. This is a losing bet, no matter what. Yeah. If you wore, if you were an individual. Uh, or, as I say, an efficiently, if you're an efficient market, the efficient market man, right? And you're looking at this like purely from a financial standpoint, this bet makes no sense. Because yeah. if Balaji believes that Bitcoin would be worth a million dollars in 90 days, he would just buy 36 Bitcoin right now. Yeah, he
1: would make yeah. more money doing that. He would just, just yeah.
0: buy 36 Bitcoin. So, uh, either way, he's losing out because even if he wins the bet, wins it in 90 days, let's say Bitcoin worth 1.1 million. Well, he's already lost 35 million by not just buying the Bitcoin now, right? Yeah. And if he loses the bet, because Bitcoin's under uh, 900000 uh, then he lost a million bucks. So well, it, it's literally a lose-lose bet, which means well, it has you to be for the me What would
1: you say to the person who says, and again, I don't think this, I, I don't think his motivation here is money-oriented. Honestly, I think maybe it's a partly to do with it, but let's say he owns a hundred million of Bitcoin plus. He, to me, he's not just trying to, bet on this one individual you know use case or this one individual scenario sorry it's more about him creating the meme and creating the thing that moves it in that direction speeding that up right if that's that's a yeah. uh, another oh, take yeah, yeah, yeah. and so yeah. therefore him moving the world through the idea of that meme and putting fire behind that meme to move things along um towards a way a world where he might want that or or uh he will gain because he has hundred million plus in Bitcoin, that's another take on it, which again, I don't agree with that, but I think that is something where I could see the logic why he would be doing it for that reason. So I'm curious, what what do you think his motivation is for, for doing this?
0: I think it's uh, uh, I think it's things that you've mentioned. Uh, he truly does believe it. Uh, he clearly has a platform and, you know, I wouldn't call him militant, but he well, actually, he's quite militant about the things he believes yeah. in, right? And, uh, and
1: Probably a good word, actually, yeah.
0: For yeah, that. actually, his word. I mean, he he wrote the book, The Network State, right? Like, he he's he's become very interested in this idea of building new societies. Uh, you know, again, that's a loaded idea, but something he's very interested in. And uh, and you know, the collapse of the collapse of the U.S. dollar would bring ample opportunity. I mean, bring tons of chaos, but to build new societies.
1: Yeah. Oh, the last thing I was going to say on it is my thoughts are. I can understand the logic around the banking system being messed up, being too much printing, liquidity, whatever you want to call it, the devaluation of the currency. However, I think that big next step from we're transitioning away from the U.S. dollar to something else, and then that happening to being that that happens to be the Bitcoin and not, you know, the Chinese currency or you know, central bank-based currency or whatever, um, because. To me, like the U.S. dollar is not the world's reserve currency just because it's a a nice looking piece of cash, right? Like it is because it's the world superpower. There's thousands of military bases around the world. It's the world's most powerful military aircraft carriers. Air- yeah, it's the every part of essentially empire, right? It's the world superpower. The world's empire essentially is the U.S. and um and and that is why it is the world super. You know, the world's reserve currency. And so unless that is changing, I don't see it really. I don't know where that transition point would be just from a kind of logic standpoint. Because if everyone is essentially devaluing the money, that's the part I don't fully understand. And I would love to ask him or someone um, who understands it better. Is Jack, if, ask him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But if if everyone is essentially, if all money is basically being devalued, then... Like then people can still just keep working, like you know, in their normal the the way that we're currently doing. And if if the inflation goes slightly high, then maybe that's just what happens. But to then convince billions of people that Bitcoin is this thing that we're all going to save money in, I think that's quite a big jump. And I don't think it's so drastic. I think if anything, a small percentage might move. Maybe another country would do it. Maybe more treasuries will put 1% like we've talked about in the past. Even at that level, it would be a huge thing to go from 25K to a million dollars for a Bitcoin Listen, in 90 we're, days. We're, winning.
0: I'm gonna, we're standing till 69K, right? Yeah, like, yeah. If that-
1: exactly. But, I mean, again, I'm happy to be proved wrong if that is the case. I mean, well, I wouldn't be happy because we'd probably be in some sort of war. Well, you um, got to hold
0: more. you got to hold more BTC, man. I know, man. that's
1: true. Yeah, yeah. I've still got some money not stuck somewhere. Not investment advice. Definitely not, yeah. So, anyway, I think that was a really interesting discussion. Anything else we want to talk about before we move on to the Ryan Reynolds situation? No, that situation? was meaty.
0: That was, uh, that uh, was apologies good. Apologies to listeners if... Uh, uh i wasn't as see if fan wasn't as smooth on the terminology as it should have been no no
1: i think that was i think we needed to get into that because it was wrapping in the svb the silicon Valley bank stuff as well yeah, um, yeah, yeah. and the credit Suisse stuff is relevant but i definitely i would love to hear people's thoughts either in, on youtube or telegram what your thoughts are on it all why you think he's doing it where yeah. you think it's going because i'd be interested to hear people also people have been writing some hilarious comments in the uh in the chat by the way that has been really really fun um all right let's move on to our boy ryan reynolds i'll pull up a tweet that was our boy austin reef um founder of morning brew um he called him he said he might be the next richard branson i did like this take um just because any comparison to our boy richard branson is always a good one
0: well why don't you tell the listeners- mr mr british cat here yeah uh richard ranson the legend the richard branson the legend Yeah, the
1: first ever i think it's the first autobiography i ever read actually it's the first kind of book where i read on my own terms where i was like oh i love that was the first time i loved reading honestly it was it was quite late in life
0: people that just got (laughs) clipped it was the first time oh man i read richard branson's biography i gotta say so really the first time i
1: understood (laughs) the magic of books every first time i could read yeah exactly uh, no, I mean, I was at 14 or something, but still. Um, so Ryan Reynolds, he sold Mitt Mobile for $1.35 billion. Aviation Gin, you, you called him the the white Jay-Z here. Uh, no, and I Darry, think that's a great Darry take as Twitter, well. Yeah, yeah Aviation Gin for $610 million. And also he bought Wrexham FC for $2.5 million, which we've talked, which we about talked about on the, the pod. Welsh really, that that could Football be Club. a really big one, exactly. And he
0: might buy the Ottawa Senators uh, oh, that's the NHL team.
1: That's smart. Yeah, well, so this guy me, is just straight winning. So what what Yeah, he's winning. Is he also Canadian, right? Oh yeah, he's from Vancouver, baby. Go represent. Okay, look, cool. So
0: people, go check out his Twitter handle. Blah, I want you to look at his Twitter handle right wait, now. Wait, what's going on? Tell All me right. what his Twitter handle says.
1: Wait, what Indeed. is his Twitter handle? Is yeah, it? Yeah, you uh, look it
0: up. While you're looking it up, I'm searching. I'm gonna walk people through how Ryan Reynolds turned a movie career into being the white jay-z van
1: city reynolds there we yeah, go Yeah, van
0: city reynolds people van That's incredible. Vancouver, incredible. canada so um let me let me actually break through some ryan reynolds stuff because yeah, he's from vancouver i've been i've been repping my boy for a number of decades now i don't think y'all remember how ryan reynolds got started in hollywood or what his first breakthrough was do you remember van wilder oh Dude. bro
1: i've watched that film like 10 times bro incredible van... when i was a kid
0: Wilder. Tara
1: Was that Tara Reid the one from um, yes, dude. American Pie?
0: Yes, That so was my teenage film. one of the film, most man. successful Hollywood entrepreneurs ever. Got to start as now, Wilder. This that is like is Joe Rogan so good. Selling the flashlight in one of his first podcasts. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah.
1: Such I, a bad film that is good. It's like uh, one no, of those I mean, dumb it's, films.
0: It's yeah, it, it it's uh listen, it's a comedy. It's a, it's a level below uh the White Castle movies. But like we're still pretty good, right? Uh, it's, he's funny. He's hella funny. And, uh, that's really come through in his marketing now. But so that movie comes out in 2002. It's a 26-year-old actor on the come Good-looking guy. Good-looking dude. We know Ryan Reynolds, good-looking cat. Because after Van Wilder... I don't know if you remember the mid-2000s when he just got absolutely swole for the Blade movies. But he was on the cover of every single men's magazine. He went on some crazy workout. So he did the Blade films with Wesley Snipes. He was in Blade two, I think. And uh I didn't even was... realize
1: he was in that. Blade yeah, is dude. classic. Is this
0: dude. is this after Wesley
1: Snipes came out of jail?
0: I can't remember. The, I think it's before. before. I think All it's right, before. before. So Blade is such a good movie. Blade One and Blade Two, and uh, Ryan Reynolds was in uh, Number Two. I definitely had that on
1: DVD, man. Back in the day, I remember watching that. That was
0: a that was a banger flick. So that's that's when this is the reason we bring it up is because so the first Deadpool movie comes out in twenty sixteen. That means Ryan Reynolds. This is his road towards comic book stardom, and 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 let's be very clear, Deadpool. Financed, provided the financing for his empire right now. He even said it. He was at the Densu, no, at the Canline, line at the last year. He said, we use some of that Deadpool money to buy Aviation Gin, their minority stake. So he refers to it as that Deadpool money. That's so incredible. In way, yeah. Well, the, I'll, I'll tell you why I love his creative story, because we talked about it a couple of weeks ago with the, the quit episode. Just keep grinding. I mean, this guy, so he did the Blade films had the superhero touch people are like oh this guy maybe he could be maybe he could be a superhero so I remember Wolverine 2009 he's in a Wolverine sequel movie with Hugh Jackman this is where their their bromance comes from I don't know if you've ever seen over the past five years but Ryan Reynolds and and uh, and Hugh Jackman if you YouTube it there's many clips of them just like doing commercials like the, 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 the mad bromance going on it started with this Wolverine yeah. film so Wolverine had a, a, Deadpool had a really small part in this Wolverine sequel uh and it was two thousand and nine and people were like, Oh, let's make him a superhero star and this is Jack's chart right here. You know, never give up. This is this is not pointless. You keep grinding. So he actually got the he went to do Green Lantern, which is a complete failure. So uh, Green Lantern did really bad at the box office and I think it's a Green Lantern. I'm almost positive it's Green Lantern, two thousand eleven. But he, the Deadpool character has been known to be like a bit of a comedian. So, uh, he worked on that Deadpool character for almost eight years to get it to market. And the film came out in 2016, smash it. He, he understood that character perfectly. And, uh, 2000, 2018, two years later, sequel comes out in total. He makes with back end points, 60 million plus dollars from these two Deadpool films. That's where that chatter comes from. I mean, he wasn't, I mean, I'm not saying he was poor before. But now he's rich,
1: yeah. And he yeah, took yeah. that
0: <laughs> it took that money and put it into aviation. So they put into the aviation gym. Minority Do you know how stake. much
1: they put in? Did they ever I? don't know. That? That?
0: It's unreported how much put in. I'm assuming he put about 10 million into both aviation and then uh, in 2020 the same into Mint Mobile. But he basically learned what he he called it. He calls it fast advertising. So the reason he calls it fast advertising is because he had to use that technique for Deadpool. When they were marketing deadpool is like be on top of trends uh break into the social media cycles and now he's got 80 million socials of followers across all his socials right
1: that's wild and, i didn't realize yeah, that much so,
0: and then we've seen over the past two three years like how quickly he responds like with aviation gin remember that peloton christmas ad with that girl that was like remember that peloton christmas ad Can no you I, I don't think i saw where, that i don't, you don't know remember what... the one where that girl got a peloton bike and then oh, oh like really I, creepy. I can't remember briefly, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was like a really unsettling ad and uh, got scared. Two days after that alternate comes out, that same actress was in an aviation gin ad. And, uh, oh, and basically, yeah, okay, yeah, I do remember that, yeah, so yeah, yeah. So Ryan Reynolds yeah. is just jumping on trends when, when COVID hit. He made a, a, a mobile ad for uh, the devil, basically launching COVID and then coming back to earth. And then he even did a Bitcoin ad. You remember the guy, that I lost a Bitcoin hard drive in the dumpster. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Ryan Reynolds, when that news came out, he immediately made his own version of it. And uh, basically, I-, I saw a hilarious comment when I tweeted about the Mint deal, <laughs> and it just said, uh, white people in America love Ryan Reynolds. He could be president if he wasn't Canadian.
1: I mean, seriously, though, that's not a bad job. I agree, well, man. Well, the thing
0: about Mint Mobile, that's surprising. So for listeners that don't know the full details, so Aviation Gym... Uh, Bilal Menja was required for six hundred ten million. So let's assume he had ten percent stake, rate. So it gets another sixty mil there. Min Mobile, I'm pretty sure he acquired. Uh, well, he owns twenty five percent of it. I think he kicked in five to ten mil. Maybe not all cash. Some of it uh, was he was got equity for being the pitch person. Uh, just like did for aviation gin. But yeah, the wind one's crazy, man. These MVNO businesses are wild. So, what? Well, how do they
1: work? Yeah, I don't actually know much about this.
0: So, like T-Mobile and Verizon have the base networks, right? And they'll let other. They like companies, essentially have the infrastructure. Yeah, and they'll let other companies like buy and build on top of their uh, telecommunication yeah. uh, networks because they have to, right? As part of building these telecommunication networks, the government requires that you allow other. They call it mobile virtual network operators. The thing the interesting thing about the MVONs is they make a lot of sense in the sense that Verizon and T Mobile are going after certain like they if it, it's easier from a brand standpoint. I mean you understand this, man. Like Min Mobile is a prepaid card. Prepaids are typically for lower income segments of society. And the reason that is because you know exactly how much you're spending, right? Postpaid, you get slapped with all these crazy data overages yeah. and, and phone overages. Whereas with a prepaid, if you run out of money- You are top up the phone. Not. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. phone ain't working anymore. Uh, so, Mint was targeting lower income uh, 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 consumers. Lower income and or cost conscious. Because I've done prepaid before because I hate how telecommunication over, firms yeah. just gouge you, right? So, uh, Especially when you're b- international,
1: I do that. I always get e- a local exactly. SIM. Exactly. And I always get like a, I just, no, I cap it. Like, oh, I'm spending you know $30 what I mean, on right? this. That's
0: how they hit you up. Yeah. So Mint is owned by a company called uh, I, I might be pronouncing that wrong, but they own uh, Plum Mobile and, uh, and uh, I forgot the mass. another, they own three, mobile carriers and one of them is Mint but the whole point being is like Mint was built on top of T-Mobile's network and it created value as like a quote unquote startup mobile targeting a different segment that T-Mobile uh, it wasn't in their expertise or they didn't want to dilute their brand right or they wanted a separate brand so I, I, I did some napkin math I think Mint Mobile worth less than 100 mil when Ryan Reynolds bought in and I did this based on uh, other deals at the time and the subscriber base of mint mobile and so if it's worth less than 100 mil within two and a half years he probably doubled or tripled 13... the subscriber base yeah, yeah 13, 13 next though that's why yeah, exactly wild. dude what, what's so, the 100 uh,
1: million based on i'm just curious how you what the napkin oh, so, is there.
0: So, so the math of this when he kicked in uh when he got announced that he was part of mint mobile i believe this was in either fall or Fall twenty nineteen or winter or, or or the first few months of uh, twenty twenty, there's another huge MVMO deal. Uh, I believe uh, Dish bought an MVMO for one point three billion, but it, it assigned basically a per subscriber dollar value. So the the that deal was assigned a value per subscriber like one hundred fifty dollars. So that's I got it. How got it. Okay. Come, yeah.
1: Cool. 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 Nice man. But yeah, I mean, and then he's got Rexham. FC I think that yep. one is a, we've talked about on the pod so we don't have to do it to death here but that is also just a, a complete out of the box example of sports because a lot of people will go and buy a big sports team right but going and blowing up a small sports team making a tv show with hulu whatever it was that's already like the amount I mean if the I don't know how much uh what did they buy it for 2.5 between two of them right
0: yeah, uh, the the other actors from uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, right? The community actor. Yeah, yeah, But let's say yeah.
1: that, so they put one point two five each in. Or it might not be even, but let's just say that they put down. I mean, the the Hulu deal alone must have got them that back. I'm pretty sure. I mean, just uh.
0: Oh yeah, uh, dude. You know, well, while you walk through the the why it makes sense to buy it and the media angle that we talked about.
1: Well, I think what, yeah, what is... we talked a little bit on the pod, but just like one you're directly creating a content business essentially like you're you're creating something creating content that you're now selling to you know Hulu Netflix whatever that already is a new revenue angle that you just didn't have previously and then more importantly you're now raising the profile and blowing up that team and you're putting, more attention, more resources on it. So now they have a disproportionate chance of going up the leagues. Because you're what you're attracting players want to play with uh, Ryan yeah. Reynolds, they, Yeah, they, exactly. They and you're like, oh, I'm part of this. Pro- I'm 21 years old. Okay, I can be here for five years. I'm investing in this project. Very much what's been happening at Arsenal on a bigger scale. So it's just like uh, like investing in the future because that's the only way you can really compete if you think about it. Like, and and just the the smart part of it is just you're taking a completely like depressed asset essentially, undervalued asset or
0: mobile if you will
1: yeah exactly exactly and I won't even say a depressed asset really because it's more just it was valued what it was correctly valued at it just happened to be by you attaching yourself to it you're blowing up that value exponentially so yeah I mean I think it's really really smart um yeah I think maybe we need to do another episode on sports again with uh either just us three or maybe we'll bring on Joe Pump again Cause there's so many interesting examples well, right now. Well,
0: Joe did a tweet about Rexham that Ryan Reynolds retweeted. He did a thread. Oh, yeah. is it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I man remember peak. that.
1: Yeah, yeah, actually, but incredible. Yeah. So anyway, really cool to see him doing that. Uh, he seems like an incredibly smart guy, um, shrewd operator, and looks like he's having a good time, man. So we're all for that here. Van Anything else on City
0: that? Reynolds.
1: Van Wilder, our boy. Yeah. That. I mean, I wonder. Do Do you know what the story is around the name of Van Wilder? just a made up name or is it
0: yeah I don't know it just sounds
1: good man I might go watch that tonight man that was an old school favorite film of yeah? like 12 years old so Won't good do
0: blah. let me do a plug uh, for Barely AI I had to create a special do code it. for our listeners we've probably put oh, yeah, the beginning it, we have 69 of these coupons people oh here we go <laughs> NIA 150 the code is NIA 150 there so it's 25% off the annual plan There's 69 Sick. of them Go get them.
1: How much is it? How much is it per year?
0: Uh two fifty to one fifty. So it's go two hundred a year. So this is one fifty a year.
1: Oh, that. we okay. just added.
0: And we just added GPT four. So, so go, actually, go have this, fun. can we talk about it real quick? What's
1: What's your experience been like from your side with GPT four versus what it was like before?
0: There are certain. So we we've, we've toggled because like GPT four is quite a bit more expensive. Yeah, I don't I don't really remember this, but uh, OpenAI dropped the price. No, So, they went from... So, GPT-3 went to GPT-3.5, which powered chat GPT. And they basically dropped the price 10 times. So, we're like, oh. And, and, and I know the listeners are like, oh, I got a bunch of tweets like, hey, man, does that mean the price of your service is going to drop by 10? It's like, no, bro. It means we're going to give you way more stuff. Bros and sisters, we're going to give you way more stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, okay.
0: We're, 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 we're raising the caps, which is what we did big time. uh, And people were very appreciative of that. But GPT-4... Is now even more expensive than pre price drop. Oh, so it's, got it. Okay. It, yeah. So, but there so are some use cases right for GP, Yeah. So, I mean, there are some things that you can do GPT 4, which is insane. You can ingest 25,000 words in one go. It's like, that's it. You can take 25,000 words and be like, hey, summarize this, or like, write me like a concise 300 word thing that I can bring to my, like, uh, my manager or my boss based on this 25,000 words yeah. or whatever you think is. And so, I think that's one of the biggest things you can ingest way more.
1: That's and actually, and, uh, since we're talking about it, since we've got a couple of minutes here, did you see the Microsoft Office integration oh, stuff? What do you think As of that? As a person
0: trying to build a productivity tool on top of OpenAI, it's extremely annoying when Microsoft yeah. does this. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be straight, right? Yeah. Uh, but now I get to taste what people in the tech industry have tasted for forty years, at like peak peak Bill Gates in the nineties, just stepping over everyone, right? Yeah, yeah, would, fair. Uh, no, but I'll, I'll say this: like, look. If Slack, a $30 billion company can get clapped by Microsoft, like little barely AI and like I get it. I could take a small hit. But the point being this though is like, I'm not worried. Uh, We talked about it before. It's like, there's a billion plus Microsoft 365 users. Well that means there's still like four or five billion people not using it, right? Yeah. And that's who I'm there to serve. And we're building a UX that a lot of people love. And uh, we're building a UX that fits into any workflow, not just Microsoft and you know it's free just try it out and you get this fresh coupon nia, 150, it. Well,
1: was you it like NIA it. 150 you said oh you cough i think i think you said nia 150 we'll share it in the show notes so strong yeah. you cough there say that lastly nia 150
0: yeah n i a 150.
1: cool share the link with us so we can put it in the show notes as well so people can go try that out 69 coupons there we go and uh yeah that's another episode Fingers crossed, Jack will be back next week. Let us know what you think of this one. We appreciate all the support, and we'll see you guys next week. Cheers.
0: Yep, yeah, thank you so much.